Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's online service. I want to remind you that if you would like to register for an in-person service, all you need to do is go on our website and click the registration button. Registration opens every Monday at 9 a.m. and closes every Friday at noon. Well, the Christmas season is almost upon us, and in traditional EPC fashion, we are going to be selling poinsettias for $7 each that you can place in honor or in memory of someone. If you would like to do that, all you need to do is, if you are in an in-person service, is fill out the form, mark who you want named for the poinsettias, add the money to the envelope, and leave it in the offering plate. Alternatively, you can do so by doing an e-transfer. All you need to do is e-transfer the money for each poinsettia and let us know in the memo line who you would like the poinsettia placed in honor or in memory of. That's important, so please remember to do that. The last day to order a poinsettia is today. That's all for now. Enjoy the rest of the day and God bless. Good morning, Evangel. Let's sing about our Heavenly Father, our good, good Father. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. Sweet. 
good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and I'm loved by you it's who I am it's who I am it's who I am, who I am. you're a good good father it's who you Luke 15, 11 to 24. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I am fascinated with the process of restoring things. Taking things that are damaged, taking things that are broken, taking things that seem to be worthless, things that seem to have no future value, and seeing them restored to their original condition, perhaps even better. Perhaps it's my age, but recently I've had an increased interest in restored vintage cars. I mean, who wouldn't love to have a 1969 Camaro SS? If for any reason Jennifer asks you if you might know what I would like for Christmas, you can tell her a 1969 Camaro SS fully restored. Now, personally, I don't have the skills, nor do I have the financial resources to do such a project. But I admire people who can take something that has been discarded and make something beautiful out of it. Today, we are continuing our fall preaching series entitled The Re-Series, Moving Forward by Going Back. The prefix re is literally translated to mean again or again and again. And so throughout this series, we have been focusing on themes that we need to consider again and again as we move forward to be who God has called us to be. 
Today, we're going to be focusing on the word restore. And the word restore means to bring back to a former or original state. Today, we're going to be considering Luke chapter 15. It's a familiar story to many of you, I'm sure. The story is the parable of the prodigal son. We will see from this scripture today that God's love and grace is so powerful that those who are damaged, broken, and deemed worthless find value as they are restored to him. The first thing I want us to see in this story is muttering. At the time of Jesus, the religious leaders had established significant spiritual boundaries. There were boundaries between Jews and Gentiles, boundaries between work and rest, boundaries between the sick and the healthy, boundaries between those who were viewed as sinners and those who were viewed as righteous. The side of the boundary that you found yourself on determined the value, the time, and the space you received. The issue in this scripture is the attitude of the spiritual leadership of the nation towards those who were outside of their boundaries and their disinterest in seeing them brought in. Instead of embracing those who needed to be restored, they embraced condemnation, discrimination, and rejection. Jesus, on the other hand, came to seek and save those considered to be outside of these boundaries. While they were deemed to be broken, damaged, and worthless by the religious establishment, they were deemed to be valuable to God. Jesus' mission took him outside of the boundaries, and he invited the marginalized in, resulting in tax collectors and sinners gathering around him on a regular basis. Now, this is exactly what is happening in our scripture today. Tax collectors, sinners, are gathering around Jesus to hear him teach. But there's a problem. The religious leaders didn't like such a blatant disregard of their rules, of their boundaries. They began to mutter. They began to complain. This man welcomes sinners. He even eats with them, they said. Clearly, what he is doing is wrong. Jesus can't be spiritual because he's violating the boundaries. To address the seriousness of the religious leaders' attitudes, he shares a series of three parables or three stories. And each story intensifies, it builds as it goes. In the first story, it's the story of the lost sheep. One of 100 is lost, 1% is lost. In his second story, it's the story of the lost coin. One in 10 is lost, so 10% is lost. And then in his final story, one of two sons are, is lost, 50%. The parable starts with a lost sheep and ends with a lost son. The parable of the lost son ultimately leads up to the response and the attitude of the older brother. And this is really important, the older brother who rejects his younger brother. These parables are primarily about the response of the older brother to the father's act 
of restoring the younger brother back into the family. The religious leaders, as Jesus is dealing with this story, well, they're the older brother who demonstrate no love, no grace, no compassion. And the father who symbolizes God's love and grace towards those who are deemed to be outside of the boundaries. Secondly, we see leaving. The youngest son is the catalyst of this story. The son is a member of a wealthy family. He had everything he ever needed and more. Yet he is dissatisfied. He has a desire to be, quote, out there, beyond life that he had known up to this point. His heart and his mind were captivated with what lay beyond the horizon. He wanted freedom. He wanted to be his own person. He wanted to live by his own rules. He wanted to do as he pleased with no restrictions. Now in this culture, the older son would get two thirds of his father's wealth after his father would pass away. It was known as the double portion. The younger brother would get one third of his father's wealth. The younger brother couldn't wait for his father to die in order to get his inheritance. He wanted it now. He needed it now. So he asked his father for it. In this culture, this request would have been very hurtful to the father. It would be the same as coming to your dad and saying, I wish you were dead so I could have what's coming to me. The father knew that the boy had made up his mind. There's no point in trying to stop him. So he gave the boy what he asked for. And he watched with a broken heart as the boy wandered down the path, fading into the distance, knowing how this would negatively impact his son that he loved. The boy, we're told, wasted his money, wasted his life on loose living, drinking, women, friends. Life was good. It was everything he dreamed it could be. But eventually, we're told, the money ran out. And when the money ran out, the women and the friends ran out. And to make things worse, there was a famine in the land. And anyone who could have helped could not help under these circumstances. He was alone. His life lay in pieces. The freedom he dreamed of was far from reality. His hopes and his dreams were shattered. The only job he could get was caring for pigs. This job was low level for anyone, but especially for a Jewish boy, since pigs were unclean. His life reflected everything opposite to what he was raised to be, what he was raised to believe, what he was raised to participate in. He saw the pig pen as a curse, but in reality, it ended up being a blessing because the pig pen gave him perspective. One day in the pig pen, he began to take a good look at himself, seeing what he had become. He didn't like what he saw. His search for freedom ended in bondage. He was lower than he ever dreamed. From the pig pen, a servant's life looked luxurious. That's how far sin had taken this rich boy down. He decided to go back to his father and admit that he was wrong. 
He knew his life was a series of bad choices, failure, rejection of his father's love and his father's standards. He knew to change his life, he would have to go to his father, admit that he was wrong, and ask him for forgiveness. As humiliating as this decision was, he was willing to do that, and he started for home. Thirdly, in our story, we see restoring. The road home was an anxious one. I mean, we can only imagine the thoughts that were racing through his mind. Was it too late? Would his father forgive him? Would his father accept him? Is it ever possible that he could start over, have a fresh start? As he approached the last leg of his journey, his father answered all of his questions with his response. While the boy was a long way off, the father saw him, we're told. Now, it's not easy to be seen and identified at such a distance. Was this a coincidence? Did the father just happen to be looking and straining his eyes in this particular direction at this particular moment coincidentally? I don't think so. I believe that watching for his son had become as natural to this father as eating and sleeping and breathing. That he was daily praying, hoping, believing, longing, and living for this day. He had never given up. He had never written him off, even though others likely viewed him as a fool. As soon as he saw him, he felt compassion for him and ran toward him. Again, in this culture, running was considered inappropriate behavior for a wealthy, elderly man to lift up his robes and to run. It was just frowned upon. But the father didn't care about culture. He didn't care about what anyone else thought. His son was coming home, and that's all that mattered to him. Before the son was even close enough to repent, the father was running towards him. When he got to him, he embraced him. He held him, and the son began to rehearse the speech, admitting his wrong. The father called for his servants to bring to him a robe. This young boy was now going to be the guest of honor at a banquet. He called for them to bring the ring, a family seal, a signet that was a sign and symbol of authority is now being restored to him. And sandals for his feet, for only slaves and servants went barefoot. His son would have sandals on his feet. He instructed them to kill the calf that had been reserved for a special occasion, likely keeping one on hand for this very moment. There was going to be a party. The father's love and forgiveness were unconditional. No probationary time, no earning his rights back. He was declared a full-fledged member of the family in good standing instantaneously. Now the older brother was angry, jealous, that the younger brother was given such love and grace. He compared himself with his younger brother and he said, while my younger brother was squandering the inheritance, inflicting pain upon his father, he was loyal. He stayed with his father. But the father made it clear that there was room for both of them in the embrace of a father's love 
and a Father's grace. There are three applications that I would like to draw from our scripture today. The first one, grace. Grace is messy. Grace is messy. People who need grace have sinned. They have hurt other people. They have let others down. They have gotten off track in their lives. They are experiencing and will continue to experience the consequences of their decisions and their actions. When I was a boy, I attended my church's program for boys. There was a program for girls and a program for boys. And I will never forget the program's motto. And the motto went like this. It is better to build than to mend. It is better to build than to mend. Fixing what already exists is always more challenging than building from scratch. The truth is this. We all have flaws. We all have issues. We all make wrong choices from time to time. And we all certainly need God's grace. Most of us are very capable of making a mess out of our lives. Many of us have been subjected to others who have created messes that have directly or indirectly affected us. Once we understand that we desperately need God's grace, we will be positioned to demonstrate God's grace towards others much more easily. As followers of Jesus, we are called to his mission of restoring people, of helping people piece their lives back together by God's grace. By God's grace and by God's power, we can work through the damage, the brokenness, the guilt, and the pain of our lives and the pain that others have inflicted upon us. We exist to know and demonstrate the grace of God. And so our scripture today is an incredible demonstration of the grace and the forgiveness of God offered to those outside the boundaries. Secondly, longing. There are many things in this story that take the boy outside of the boundaries. Asking for his inheritance, leaving his family behind, living a sinful, disgusting lifestyle, working with pigs. For the Pharisees, a boy like this could never come home. It was too late. He was written off because they didn't understand the love and grace of God. Now, the Bible tells us that God is our Heavenly Father. We are created by Him. We are His children. His desire for us is that we would live under His love, under His protection, His guidance, his provision in our lives. Because he created us, he knows our potential. He knows what is best for us. But often we are like this young son in our story. There are times that we refuse what God is offering to us. We want the freedom to do things our way. So there are times that we do our own thing. We stray outside the lines and we live by our own rules. God gives us a choice like the father in the story did. We can stay, we can trust him, 
or we can go and do it our own way. Now, many of us have said, I'm staying God within your care. I'm going to live as you desire me to live. I want my life to be led by you. But others of us have said, this is not for me. There's a life out there that I would rather have, and I'm going for it. And for a time, life will probably be good and exciting out there. It'll be fun. But sin has a season. It has an expiry date, and it is destructive. And perhaps you're already beginning to see that life outside of God is bondage, not freedom. And as you look at your life today, you may not like who you are. You may not like what you see. Perhaps you have regrets. Perhaps you wish you could change and go back and not do what you've done. Perhaps you wish more than anything that you could come home, that you could experience a fresh start. But your life seems too complicated and it's embarrassing. In fact, it's humiliating. Maybe you see where you are today as a penalty. You're getting what you deserve because you rejected God. I just want you to know that all you have to say today is, Jesus, I want to walk the road that leads back to you. I'm sorry for rejecting you. Please forgive me. I need you in my life. Folks, it's going to require honesty. It's going to require swallowing your pride. It's going to require admitting that you were wrong. But it is the first and very important step to the road home. And thirdly, home. It takes great courage and humility to seek something you know in your heart that you don't deserve. What are the thoughts that wander through your mind today? What are the thoughts that trouble you, that cause you to fear? Do you wonder if God could love you? Do you wonder if God could forgive you? Do you wonder if God would even take you back? All it will take this morning is one step in the Father's direction, and he will run to you. He spends each moment watching, waiting, believing in you, longing for you to come, for you to come home. He longs to embrace you. He longs to lavish his grace upon you. He accepts you just as you are, despite where you've been, despite what you've done. I want you to know this morning that there's a party that's awaiting you. God's best is reserved for you. This was a reality that the religious leaders could not understand or accept. And it's also a reality that we often do not understand and sometimes we have trouble accepting. Whether we understand it or not, whether it makes sense or not, God is reaching out to all of us, every single one of us. We are all in need of God's grace. All of our lives have a degree of messiness to them. I like what Philip Yancey says in his book, 
what's so amazing about grace. He says this, There is nothing we can do to make God love us more, and there is nothing we can do to make God love us less. Folks, that is the grace that welcomes us home. In conclusion today, I would like to ask you, do you need to be restored today? Do you need to experience God's love and grace in your life? Would you like to come home even though you don't feel like you deserve it? I want to remind you today that God's love and grace is so powerful that those who are damaged, broken, and deemed worthless find value as they are restored to him.
Thank you for joining us this morning. Our prayer is that this service was meaningful and helpful for you. If we can be of assistance in any way, please email us, call us, and we'll do what we can to assist you in any way that we can. God bless you and have a great week.